Hey, what's going on? My name is Matthew and welcome to the Real Life Podcast. This is a place where we hope that you can be encouraged, that your faith can be built up, and that you can leave feeling more connected to Jesus and His church than when you tuned in. My name is Richie Shaw. I lead a church called Real Life and love that we get to be together for these few minutes today. Church is called Real Life because we believe Jesus comes into the middle of a very authentic, real, broken life. He doesn't show up in somebody's life that's got it all together, got it all figured out. He doesn't expect somebody to religiously make their way to God. God comes to us right where we are. And so we come together all across all of these uh, devices and wherever you're gathered and maybe a home today We come together with this desire to learn from Jesus, to know his desires and his passions and his teaching and his leadership. See, when Jesus came to earth, he came proclaiming a kingdom different than this world's kingdom. It's his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And we are passionate about Jesus and passionate about his kingdom. But that um, creates tension for us especially as the world continues to unravel around every single one of us right now. Uh, As decisions get made, as pandemics continue to roll, um, our thinking can easily be shaped by the way the world is thinking about every circumstance, every situation, every relationship, every problem. But Jesus came to earth to proclaim a different way of thinking, a different priority level, a different system of belief and thought and understanding. It was his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And we as people who are passionate about Jesus and about his kingdom are learning to filter life, circumstances, pandemics, relationships, addictions, brokenness through a lens that puts the kingdom and Jesus leadership as our primary filter. That's challenging to do. We're not born this way. We're intentionally making decisions this way. And this is why it's so important that we're together in moments like this, because we need to be constantly be reminded and, and inspired to think the way Jesus wants us to think, to live the way he wants us to live, to shape our lives around his leadership and his teaching and his life and his purposes and his values. That's why as a church, we're studying the book of Luke. Luke is a eyewitness leader and and, um, author in the first century that is actually creating this narrative of Jesus' life, ministry, and teaching that we can learn from Jesus from. And so we've been studying for months now and loving every minute of Jesus' leadership and life and teaching. And here in Luke chapter 8, we're wrapping up the chapter 8 We see Jesus come back from the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and he's just been there healing a man possessed by a whole bunch of demons and commissioned him and sent him on his way to go share the good news of what God had done in his life. And now he comes back home, essentially, to his people, to the crowds of people that have been following him and looking to him and trying to understand his leadership. And is he really God's son? Is he the savior of the world? Is he somebody that they've all anticipated and waited for and looked for for so many hundreds of years? And Jesus comes into this setting and God does something really cool in this story. And I want you to capture the characters here. There's Um, A man named Jairus, who's a leader in the church, in the synagogue. Um, There's a woman who's got an issue of blood. And then there's the crowds of people. And the crowds represent 
maybe similar to the crowds of our day, the voices of our day, there's a real kind of interesting tension that gets brought to surface through this story. And I want you to go there with me because I think there's a, there's a real way that we think right now in this time. We think about life and circumstances. And I think Jesus wants to help us shape the way we think. And I see the tension really being this. Is it fear, anxiety, um, angst, or is it faith, believing that God is up to something, wants to do something? It's kind of the way things are or the way things could be. One is fear and and. and and anxious thoughts. And then one is faith, like with anticipation and hope. I want you to see this teased out in this story. Look at it with me. I'm starting in verse 40 today. Now, when Jesus had returned, he came back across the lake, the crowd, they welcomed him for they were all waiting for Jesus. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue leader in the church. And he fell at Jesus' feet. As he's falling at Jesus' feet, he implored, begged Jesus to come to his house. I want you to think about this posture. He had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As a dad with a daughter this age, if she was dying, I can only imagine the sense of desperation and desire to see something supernatural happen in this moment. Something that would, uh, would hope that would fill my heart that, that man, somebody's got to do something in some way, shape or form to help my daughter. This is that desperate spot he's in. Jesus hears him and he goes, as Jesus went, the people pressed around Jesus There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. I just didn't think this, this burden that she's been carrying, this amazing amount of pressure. Am I ever going to be healed? Am I ever going to stop bleeding? Am I ever going to be not so unclean religiously, um, socially? She is an outcast with this kind of a condition and she had it for 12 years. She'd spent everything she had, all her living on physicians, and she could not be healed by anyone. She came from behind Jesus and she touched the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. It stopped. She was healed. And Jesus uh, said, who who was it that that touched me? Who was it that just reached out and touched me and, and Everybody denied it. And Peter, one of Jesus' disciples said, Master, uh, the crowds are surrounding you and are pressing in on you. Like, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Everybody's uh, pressing around you, trying to hear you, trying to see you, trying to get close to you. But Jesus said, no, no, no. Someone touched me for I perceive the power has gone out from me. And so when the woman saw that she was not hidden, that she had been found out, she came trembling. Where's the trembling coming from? The anxiety. Where's it coming from? From the crowd. She's unclean. She's not worthy. She can't be around people. She is socially and religiously outcast. She came trembling. And here's that posture again, just like Jairus. She's falling down before Jesus, declaring in the presence of all the people. Now she's confessing. I've been bleeding for 12 years. I I have been unclean. I have been this broken kind of a mess of a person in the presence of all the people. This is why she touched him and how she had been immediately healed. 
And Jesus says to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I think about this scenario. I'm going to get to the rest of the passage here in a second, but I just, I got to pause for a second because there's this sense of like, pressure that you know this woman's got to feel you know Jarius has got to feel that there's this tension in their hearts of my current circumstance is not okay my daughter is dying my my body continues to bleed somehow some way I've got to get to a better place I've got to change my circumstances I've tried everything and now I am so desperate that if this Jesus guy is really who he says he is and who people say he is maybe he can do something you just think about, there, there's this posture of, of faith that they represent in this story. And, and the crowd, especially for this woman at this point, has got to represent a massive doubt, a massive amount of fear, a massive amount of uncertainty and anxiety. What if I'm found out? What if people knew how messed up I am, how, how, how gross this thing has been, how bad off I'm, I, I am? She's been able to hide up to this point, and now she's all brought into the light, all revealed. And, and you could just imagine the amount of fear. Fear is always trying to to grab us and pull hope out of us, pull what could be out of us. Fear is a voice that, that preaches constantly. This is the way things are, so this is the way things always will be. This is the gospel of our culture. The gospel of our culture is a narrative, is a, is a shouting match of here's how bad stuff is. Here's how messed up the world is. Here's how bad your circumstances are. Here's how, how broken things are in your world. Here's how addicted you are. Here's how depressed you are. Here's how messed up you are. This is the voice of our culture. This is the gospel of doubt and discouragement and fear. But Jesus, remember, he came to proclaim a different way, a different kingdom. And it's a gospel of faith and hope and belief in something that could be. That is not right now. It's something you can't see, but it could be if God really is God, if God really does love you, if God really does have power and authority in this place and in this life. There's this gospel of hope, a gospel of, of, of peace, believing that there's a future that could be. This is faith. See, faith is not like the absence of fear. The crowd represents fear. For this woman, she had to make a decision to press through the crowd, press through the fear to get to Jesus. Jairus, he's at Jesus' feet begging for Jesus to do something supernatural in his daughter's life. There is this persistence in their posture and desperation to get to Jesus, get to his feet, beg him to do something things supernatural in their life. This is a posture of faith. I think that the story just, just, I don't know, for, for me, it just shouts like this, oh, fear. It, it, it brings so much doubt to our hearts. When you think about the culture we live in right now, it is a, it is a fear-mongering, fear-preaching culture. And we have to make a decision. Is that the voice we're going to listen to? Is that the filter by which we're going to look at life through? Is that the kind of people that we are going to be that just buy into the voice of culture? And here's the method of culture is shout louder than the other person. Get more vulgar than the other person. Try to be heard above the noise. And as the decibels raise in our hearts and our minds and our lives and on our social feeds, we have to make a decision. Is there a voice that's different than all of these shouting screaming, fearful voices. And I just hear the Holy Spirit just quietly, gently going, hey, I have another way. I have a way that's better. I have a way of hope. I have a way of faith. 
I, I have a way that I want to invite you into. But you got to make a decision at how you're going to view your circumstances, how you're going to view this world, how you're going to view this pandemic, how you're going to view your addiction, how you're going to view your, your marriage, your kids, your life, your work, your lack of work. You and I have a decision to make. Are we going to view it through a lens of fear or a lens of faith? Picture becomes so real. One of the thoughts that just hit me as I'm reading this is, you know, when did life get so practical? Like as a person of Jesus, not everybody is. And I understand some of you are watching and, and, and you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus. But those of us that have, like we are, we are coming from a long lineage of people who have been okay in believing in someone and something that we can't see, haven't seen, want to see someday. We, we come from a lineage of people that walked across an ocean that was parted on their behalf by the God of the universe. We come from a lineage of people that, that, that were thrown into a den of lions and, and watched God shut the mouths of lions. We, we come from a lineage of people who got onto a boat in anticipation of a flood when not a drop of rain had ever fallen on the ground there. We come from a lineage of people that have seen people walk on water and people raised from the dead and, and, and people called out of tombs and, and so many miraculous moments. Like this is our lineage. Those of us that have put our faith in Jesus have, have, have put our faith in this miracle working, all powerful, all knowing, all understanding God that, that we can't see and that we're trusting outright with all of eternity. I mean, the gospel is this, that God would love us and come to us and, and, and rescue us. And we choose to put our faith in that God who came to rescue us. And now we're banking all of eternity on this faith that he does love us and is sealing us for that day of salvation and that we are going to spend eternity with him. Like when did we think that we were supposed to get so practical with this life where everything has to make sense? I'm not against science, but science isn't everything, right? Like, like, we're, like we're so infatuated with everything adding up right now. We're so consumed with everything kind of being so predictive and, and, and all the numbers and making sure everything works out exactly the way it should so that we can make decisions the way we should make decisions. And what happened? What happened to a people that made decisions based on a word from God, from the creator of the universe? What happened to people that, that listened when he said, hey, just put your feet in the water and trust me, the, the, the water is going to recede. Hey, get out of the, po the boat, Peter, and, and, and start walking to me on this lake. And trust me, see what I do. Have the people sit down in, in, in groups and see if I can't take this little lunch and feed 5,000 people with it. Like, when did we start getting so practical and thinking that practicality was so spiritual and so mature? When the mark of the kingdom, maturity in the kingdom has always been the people that have the most faith, not who operate out of the most fear. See, this is, this is a different way of thinking. This is a different lens for our, for our decisions and our circumstance and our relationships. It's a lens of faith, not one of fear. And I can only imagine the amount of pressure Jarius felt, this woman felt in the story. But here she presses through the crowd in a place of faith and desperation before Jesus. Think of the, the posture on her face, Jarius on his face, begging Jesus to do something supernatural. Faith gets us to the spot 
where we will literally beg God for a miracle. We have tried everything, God. My marriage still won't be healed. I've tried everything. This addiction still won't be broken. God, everything seems to be lost, but I'm, I'm believing that you have another way. There's this hope that faith breeds in our hearts. Look at verse 49 with me. While Jesus was still speaking to this woman, someone from the ruler's house came. So from Jairus' house and said, hey, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. You could imagine all the, all the science came through, all the reports came through. And here comes somebody, a messenger with a message of fear, and doubt and closure, finality. It's over. The story's over. She died. I don't know what Jairus felt in this moment, but Jesus seemed to know he needed to step in right here. And it's almost as if Jesus answered on behalf of Jairus and behalf of the crowd, just going, hey, 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 hang on. I hear the voice of doubt that just came and reported the facts and the figures in this situation. But, but I, I want you to choose a different way. Don't be afraid, Jesus says, just have faith and she will be healed. Jesus speaks faith into a very hopeless situation. He speaks faith into a very fear-filled situation. And when I hear Jesus call out in the midst of this situation. Hey, I know everything seems impossible right now. I know everything seems broken right now. I know everything seems hopeless right now, but don't be afraid. These words are words that come from God over and over and over throughout scripture. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Don't operate out of fear. Don't let your thinking be controlled by the fears and the doubts of this world, by the limits of creation. Let me do what I do. Trust me to do what only I can do in this moment. Only believe. When he came to the house, Jesus goes anyway. He allowed no one to enter with him except Peter, John, James. These are three of his disciples that he's bringing on the inside, mentoring through this circumstance. He brings the father and the mother of the child in with him. Listen to this. All, everybody was there weeping, mourning for, for the child. You can imagine all their friends, all their family. Remember, he's a leader in the church. All these people that are a part of the church with him, weeping and mourning. And Jesus says to them, hey, don't weep. She's not dead, but she's sleeping. Again, he's speaking faith into doubt. He's bringing, bringing hope into a hopeless situation. Listen to all the church people. They laughed at Jesus. And you think that this is maybe a, a, a people beyond religion that struggle with doubt. Here's a bunch of church people struggling with doubt. They laughed at Jesus knowing that she was dead. But Jesus took her by the hand and he, and he called out to her saying, child, arise. Her spirit returned. She got up at once and he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed. When a miracle happens in our lives, this is, this is the amazement that builds our faith. He charged them to tell no one what had happened. When I read this story, they're just given this picture of the contrast of fear and faith, of hope and doubt. And I think that this woman with the issue of blood and Jairus and his faith, they, they speak hope into every one of our circumstances. They become a testimony, a, a walking story of the kind of people that we are to be. 
Those of us that are learning Jesus' way and his leadership and his kingdom and studying the Luke together to try to understand what it means to be Jesus' church and how to navigate this world and make sense of this pandemic and understand how to navigate our marriage pressures and, and how to help our kids through school this fall and all the things that we're swirling around in our hearts and our minds right now. This is a picture that I believe God gives to us to hold on to, to grab a hold of and to begin to shape our lives around and to begin to shape our thinking around and to be able to go, oh, okay, now I have a comparison. Do I think like Jerry's thinks? Do I think like this woman thinks? Do I have hope amidst a hopeless situation? Have I come to a place of desperation where I'm running to the feet of Jesus, begging him for healing, begging him for, for some sort of transformation in my life, uh, uh, healing from this addiction that I have or restoration in this marriage that seems to be falling apart? If I got into a place where all the facts and figures stop adding up long ago and I stop putting my faith in the facts and start putting my faith in the God of the universe who, who created all things, sustains all things, knows all things, sees you, understands you, wants to heal you, wants to bring hope to your life. Man, the invitation from this story becomes so powerful. Like, let's be a people of faith, not a people of fear. Let's be a people who press through the fear in faith, believing that on the other side, God has something in mind. We can't see it yet. That's what makes it faith. We don't understand it all. We don't see the end of the story. Jerry's daughter was dead. People thought the story was over. Somehow, some way, God saw beyond the end of what they knew to be the end of the story. He saw it in his heart, in his mind. Jesus speaks out in, do not fear. Only believe she will be well. Even as they laugh at him, stop weeping. She's not dead. She's only sleeping. Jesus speaking into your circumstance right now going, hey, stop listening to, to the voices of this culture. Know that I have something in mind for you in store for you. Like listen to my voice above all the noise of everybody else. Tune your heart, your ears to hear that I have something in mind that you can't see. Stop putting your your heart in that place of doubt and fear and allow faith to rise in your heart. I think that this is a tension that we will always battle as a people because we are a practical people. We are bound by time and space. We have limits. We have gravity. We have age. We, we have all these things that are working against faith in our world. And I think that's what's so important about this conversation is that this has always been a signature of Jesus kind of people a people of faith, believing in what they can't yet see, hoping for a future that they can't quite comprehend. This is what makes us Jesus' church, is this kind of perspective, this kind of filter, this kind of heart, this kind of hope inside of us. And I think if, if this world that we are in right now needs anything, it needs a different voice, a different kind of people that live with a different kind of filter with a hope in their heart. With a, with a preferred future, like a desire to see something supernatural happen in their day. To not just to succumb to all the fears and all the pressures and all the voices that seem to be so loud right now, but to be a people that believe with optimism, with this desire for something amazing in the future, believing that God is going to do it. I think this is what God is calling us to, to be a people who believe and don't operate out of fear. How do you do that? One thing I would just say is this, you, you, you and I, we've got to have the right perspective. Let me just try to help you for a second. Like perspective is constantly a choice that you're going to make. Every day, every moment, every conversation, every decision, perspective is something that you choose. It's not something that's given to you. It's something that you choose. 
Now, a lot of us have given up that choice and just gone with everybody else's choice. I want to give you back that choice right now and help you to understand that, no, you actually have a decision to make. Your perspective is yours to, to decide. And one of the, the things in our perspective that's so essential is to believe that Jesus has power. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him by God. And he in turn says, hey, I have power over sickness. I have power over pandemics. I have power over everything that you're facing right now. Will you believe that? That's a perspective choice that you and I got to make. Not only do we got to believe that he has power, but we also got to believe that he loves us. He loves you. Jesus actually knows your name and sees you and understands your circumstance and your fears and your pains and your insecurities. And he, and he doesn't dismiss you or shame you or condemn you, but he loves you and he wants what's best for you. Believe that Jesus loves you. Your perspective has to be this way, that the God of the universe loves you. If you're going to have the right perspective, you've got to have this grounded in your heart that he actually wants to heal you that he actually wants to bring wholeness. Think of the drive of Jairus and this woman with blood. Their drive was to get whole, to get healed, to, to have this situation resolved and, and to see the character of Jesus in this moment, not resisting healing, but loving to give it. Oh, I want to heal your daughter. I, I don't want you to doubt, believe like she's going to raise from the dead. A woman with blood, like peace woman, your, your, your faith has made you well. Like what a gift that he actually wants to heal. He wants to change things in your life. He wants to restore stuff. Believe that he knows what's best for you. His timing, his ways, it's best. Here's the thing, in your perspective, you gotta guard against this. There's a God of comfort that is vying for your attention and Jesus' voice always seems to contradict the voice of comfort. And it's a constant perspective decision to go, no, I'm gonna trust your timing, your way, your 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 patterns, Jesus, more than my own desire for comfort. And man, that is a massive perspective that you and I got to decide. Not only do we got to have the right perspective, we got to have the right people. Voices matter. Who you surround yourself with, who you listen to, who you are reading right now matters massively. And if you've got the wrong people, the wrong voices, if they are spreading fear and doubt and hatred and insecurity and anxiety and depression into your life, those are the wrong voices. You got to have the right people in your life. This is part of the intent of Jesus church. It takes extra work for us right now because we're all online, because we're all scattered in all these different homes, watching together, maybe in a real life at home spot, but, but we're all in different places and we need people around us right now to be a voice of courage and a voice of hope and a voice of faith. We need to surround ourselves intentionally with these kind of people. In fact, some of you need to make a decision to be those kind of people, to be the right people in somebody else's life. Man, I was talking, we're calling everybody that's ever come through the doors of real life right now just to check on them. And I was talking to a woman that, that she was all excited when we first went online because everybody was, was chatting together online and keeping each other encouraged and being the right people for each other, even though things were hard and the pandemic was weird and all that stuff was happening. She said to me this, this week, she said, Richie, honestly, it's been really hard to stay engaged digitally right now because it's been so quiet on the chat. It's been so quiet on whatever she's on YouTube or Facebook or however she's watching digitally. At first it was super loud and everybody was super encouraging and it's gotten so quiet. She's like, I found myself not tuning in as much. 
because the people aren't there. The voices aren't there. The encouragement's not there. And I was just thinking, she might need you to put something in the chat right now that says, hey, I hear you. I see you. Can I pray for you? Hey, don't stop believing. Don't stop hoping. Don't stop looking. Like, like you're not just in this for yourself, right? We are the right people for each other. That's the design of Jesus Church. And we gotta be creative right now. We gotta figure it out different right now, but we need the right people and to be the right people for those in our life. And the last thing is this, is that we gotta have the right passion. If you want to believe and not doubt, not give way to fear, you've got to have the right passion. These people were passionate to get to Jesus' feet. This is a passion that leads our hearts. We call it pursue. Pursue Jesus with all of our hearts. Not lackadaisically get around to Jesus when you have time. Pursue him. Get after him. Get to his feet. Get into the presence of Jesus. This is a choice that you got to make. If you want to believe and not doubt, if you don't want to give to the voice of fear, you want to have faith, you've got to have the right passion, the passion to be in the presence of Jesus, the passion to be near him, to hear his voice, to seek him, to know him, to understand him. This is a decision that you got to make. Nobody can make for you. And here's what I love is that when you and I pray, when we ask God, give me a passion for you, he loves to answer that prayer and he loves to fill us with a desire to know him more. And, and I believe that this has been a mark of Jesus' people. The faith-filled people have a passion for Jesus to get in his presence, to, to expect him to do miracles in their lives and in their relationships. These are the kind of people that I believe God wants us to be with this kind of passion, with this kind of desire to get to where Jesus is. So here's the invitation today. Let's be a people of faith, not of fear. Let's be a people who filter life through this, this lens of faith, believing in what could be, not what is. Let's be a people who inspire each other to believe in what could be and what God could do and, and how he could work in our lives and what miracles he might do. And, and let's pray like a people of faith. Let's not cower like a people of fear. Let's not hide like a people of fear. Let's pray. Let's expect. Let's reach out. Let's be a people of faith together and allow God to use us as this voice of hope in a very hopeless world, in a very dark world, to be this light, this encouragement, this these people that bring this excitement and this passion to a very troubled time in history. And this is a chance for us as Jesus church to rise up, not to shrink back, but to become a people of faith. And I believe that you want that. You need that. You know, other people that need that. And we want to walk with you toward that. And I think about some of you are watching today and you have not yet put your faith in Jesus. Like the radical lineage that I was talking about, the people that walked on water and raised from the dead and all these, these stories of faith throughout scripture that we lean on for encouragement and hope. You got none of that. But yet you sense Jesus drawing you to himself today. You sense him inviting you to be a part of this story of this lineage of this people of hope and people of faith. Here's how simple this is. God loves you. He sent his son to rescue you. He actually went to the cross on your behalf to save you from your sin. It takes a repentant heart from us to say, yes, I need saving from my sin. I can't make myself right with God. His standard is perfection. I don't meet that standard. God, would you save me? And that posture of repentance and humility and faith, spirit comes in. You and I are made a new creation. We're made completely transformed. We're adopted into this story of faith, this lineage of hope. You're brought in and now you're a part of a family that says, yes, we may not be able to, but God can. God will. God 
does. He has the power. He has the authority. And we could put our faith in him, not in ourselves, not in our world, not in our culture, not in the voices that are so loud, but in Jesus and Jesus alone. And everybody that takes that step of faith is baptized in water. That's what Jesus did. That's what his disciples did. That's what I did. That's what everybody that's a part of this movement has done as a symbol of faith, a step of faith. Yes, God. See, faith is always combined with action. That's your step of action if you're putting your faith in Jesus. I want to pray for you wherever you're at today. And here's what I want to ask you to do. It's different. I want you to stand up wherever you are, wherever you're watching this. Maybe it's a living room. Maybe it's a, a, a car. Step outside your car. I, I, I want you to stand up because, I, again, I want you to accompany action with this faith. And, and I want to just pray over you as you stand there saying, I am standing here as a person of faith, not of fear. I'm standing here not in my own strength, but in the strength of God. I'm standing here with a hope that Jesus is going to do something supernatural in my life and in my day. I'm standing here declaring that I believe in Jesus and I believe in his power. Let me pray for you. Jesus, you see every person standing wherever they are right now, God. And God, right now your spirit is filling them with, with faith. God, you're dispelling fears. You're removing insecurities, all the doubts that have been so loud. God, you're, you're quieting those doubts as your voice of love and peace and strength just floods every one of these souls that's standing, God. For those that are putting their faith in you for the first time right now, God, especially, would you just, just give them, God, a sense of your presence in a powerful way right now? God, I ask you to meet them right where they are. Give them the courage to take the step of baptism. God, I pray that you would help us as a church to be a people of hope, be a people of faith. Give us the voice of hope in a hopeless time, God. Give us a voice of faith in a faithless time. God, may your voice and your presence and your power, God, shine bright through us as your church. Every one of us standing unified right now all over the world. God, people in, in, in Asia, people in California, God, right here in Spokane, Minnesota, Alaska, where? Wherever they're standing, God, would you just make us a unified people across this world as a symbol of your hope, your life, your freedom, your joy, God. We stand together believing, God, that you are making us a people of faith. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you so much. Text us. If you need to be baptized, we want to help you. Text us right now. Uh, you can respond anytime. We would love to help you take these steps that God is calling you to take. We love you so much. We want to worship together. Let's worship together now. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to stay in touch and visit the description for our contact info. We would love to be praying for you. As always, we hope this podcast encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Take care.